Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. I want to uh, ask for your forgiveness for uh, so much of the technical difficulty we may have. When I try to um, have the show from the museum, it tends to not have very good connections. So we're going to have to try to figure out how to give me a stronger connection when I'm away from uh, my home, but I want want you to know that I am terribly saddened by the fact that we have not been together with everything that's been going on. It seems that our world is in chaos uh, as we speak, and seemingly uh, there is so much to be talked about, and so we certainly want to spend some time talking about some of this foolishness that's going on. Uh, D, I wanted to to talk to you because no sooner than these guys bring up uh, a way for teachers uh, to protect students, uh, you and you know we've been talking about it for a while that each teachers have as many issues as anybody else, and the last person you want to have a gun is a teacher who having some personal problems, and then lo and behold, before we can uh, even get a few months down the road. Uh, here we have a teacher in Georgia who um, barricades himself in a classroom 
and refuses to come out and fires the gun out out of the window. And uh, you know, it, it it seemingly it should be something that people should bring up uh, because it goes directly to this craziness about allowing teachers to have weapons. Uh, what what are your thoughts about that? What do you think? Just you know, it, it doesn't matter. As soon as somebody talks about a direction, something comes up to let you know how viable it'll be. Well, um, welcome back, James. And uh, there's no reason to apologize. Uh, we all are, are adults, and we know that things will happen if they can, and usually they do. And technical difficulties are one of those uh, uh, imperfect things in life. So just welcome back, and we appreciate what you do. Uh, I wasn't aware of uh, this situation in Georgia. I, I, at times, um, I do have an app on my phone that lets me know about uh, news flashing or breaking news in my area. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of shun away from um, the news at times, uh, being as though that uh, Donald Trump kind of uh, uh, wants all the attention most of the time, and I had to kind of detox from all of that. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It just kind of goes to prove our point that um, teachers are um, more uh, pressured. Uh, you don't act or think like you, one might think you would. Uh, I got an issue with the teachers uh, having guns uh, on property, uh, especially um, the, the, uh, when, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, teachers and students have a tendency to be confrontational. And uh, and a lot of times that the students are, are come together and, and protect one another, even against the teachers. And uh, if, if the teachers are anything like these cops have been in the past, um, things could turn out not to be favorable. So um, you know, as God will have it, uh, He always have a tendency to, to to do things for us that that we can't do for ourselves. And this is just one of those examples. Thank you, James. And, you know, we have to come to grips with police officers are put in place uh, to look for criminal behavior. And they're always looking for the things that uh, may be being done wrong by individual people. And you don't want teachers to be put in a position where they're going around scrutinizing the behavior of students is though they are now police officers. And I have to tell you, uh, it is a difficult thing for teachers to do. Even as they are teachers, we are always trying to keep students safe and keep uh, you know the wrong things that are going on in our school. But someone brought up the situation, and it might have been from Black Lives Matter, that when you have teachers scrutinizing the behavior of students and if they have a low tolerance for students who are African-Americans, African-Americans may, may very well become victims of the students' of teachers' biases, even though we all know that white students are the predominant ones who go around shooting up schools. So uh, we have to be careful with uh, the people we put in charge 
of the lives of our kids because we already know that there's some biases that are going on related to how students are perceived. Uh, Nate, what what is your thought, you know, of human nature? And here already, before we can even get guns into the hands of of uh, teachers, we've already had an incident with a teacher going off and and uh, locking himself in his classroom and firing a weapon outside his window, even though no one got hurt. You know when I when I went to basic training. Back in '93, my platoon had 70 guys in it. At the end of that graduation, we wound up graduation, I think, 25, which goes to tell you that everybody is not meant to do everything. Um, teachers, just that's what they mean to do is teach. They're not meant to teach and carry weapons. It's hard to do both. That's the, that's 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 what we do in the military. A teacher should be free enough to be able to teach without even have to worry about anybody coming in the classroom. At the same time, be able to not worry about she she or she may have to pull pull their weapon. Cause that 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 is a uh, a thought that's going to be on their minds all the time. And on top of that, we have to understand that everybody is not meant to carry a weapon. Cause everybody has mental different different mental capacity. Um, I sat in the classroom for a year. Um, we was doing a project at Fort Bragg. I sat in the classroom, and I see what these teachers go through. They have enough stress on them as it is um, without even worrying about a weapon. And now you think you arm these teachers all because you don't want to modify the Second Amendment. <laughs> you don't want, want you you don't want to. Um, modify the um, ban on assault weapons and everything. You you're doing everything you can not to modify something, just to keep money flowing in the pockets of uh, uh, political figures. And at the end of the day, arming teachers is not the answer. Because who wants to sit in the classroom knowing that the teacher has a weapon? Because I've been in classrooms and I've seen it. When I said with teachers having bad days. I've seen them when soldiers have bad days. I was on Camp Liberty back in 2009 when a soldier lost his mind and shot nine people and killed four, all because he wanted to go home. Now, us being a soldier, being a professional, can lose it. What makes you think that a teacher who has no kind of training whatsoever won't be able to lose it? And that is my primary concern. What are guarantees? to say that teachers won't lose it, or a, t- a student may provoke a teacher, or a teacher may provoke another teacher, or they bring a personal problems home. Where where, 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 where does it end? If, I say, if we see it in, 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 the, in the military and, and see it in law enforcement, well, professionals are losing it. Why why should we think in, in, in the less that these teachers won't lose it? Thank you. And the, and the other thing uh, that I heard, and this was this was some good information, you know, because you, you have people just talk out their heads. A man was telling me that uh, police officers and soldiers have to shoot at targets, and they have to be above 80% accurate. And some have yep. to be as much as 90% accurate. Okay? When you are 90 and 80 over 80% and 90% accurate, on a target, 
that when you get into a situation where bullets are flying uh, in both directions, that percentage drops to almost 15%. So now why would you want a teacher firing a weapon when the likelihood of their accuracy was going to drop down to 15%? You, at that point, you may kill more innocent people than you might kill the actual perpetrator. So why in the world would, knowing that, I remember seeing a video, and I don't know if you all seen this video, but I, I don't know how to get it back, but if I can get it back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to Google it. I saw a situation where a police officer went up to a car. Two men were in the car. They got out of the car and started firing. The police officer started firing back in them. And three people are shooting, and nobody get hit. I seen that state okay. troopers. And that was just unreal. I could not believe it. Now here you have two perpetrators and a police officer, and they within six to seven feet of each other, and nobody gets hit. The two guys who uh, were the perpetrators escaped, and the the, the police officer got was unshot. And so here you got three weapons going over, ain't nobody hitting nobody. So why don't people talk about the inaccuracy of weapons when people are in actual you when you're in two feet of somebody, you can't miss at two feet. But when you were talking about you down the hall from somebody, you I mean if you can miss at six and seven feet, you truly can miss at twenty five or thirty feet. And so nobody's talking about that. Um uh, Nate, why do you think they're not talking about how inaccurate people are when they're when they're in the midst of a fight? Because that that will kill the whole crusade of let's arm our teachers. Because a lot of times too, we have to understand some weapons are are, are not as accurate as other weapons. You know, that's one of the reasons why we've been using the M16 slash A440 because it's a very accurate weapon. Now, also understand this too: we you're only as good as the person that's using it. If you're not going to the range that much, because like like with us when we go to the range, we got three classification: marksman, sharpshooter, and expert. Um, I forgot what it was for uh, sharp uh, marksman. I think it's like thirty to uh, I think like twenty five to thirty. You have to hit between twenty five and thirty targets. And for sharpshooters, I think it's thirty to thirty five. And I think for expert, it's thirty five on up. But like I said, these are pop up targets, stationary target that pops up and drop, drop back down. Now, like you said, now when you in a situation, now we can, now I can hit a target at 500 yards because I've been trained, I've been doing it for a long time. Now, understand that that target at 500 yards is not firing back at me. Now I have been fired upon and I have fired. That a lot of times when I'm when I'm firing, I'm firing just to keep him from firing his weapon. You know, and that's the thing we have to take control. Of. A lot of times we are firing just to let the other person know, hey, I got a weapon too. You know, so unless you train proficiently, um. Don't matter if the weapon accurate or not, and then a lot of the reasons why they don't want to bring that up because it because it, it causes more questions. Okay, what can we do to get each individual proficiently trained? Now, here's the thing with the training aspect though that everybody is not talking about. Okay, it's I can take anybody today, anybody on this radio show today who ain't fired a weapon, I can take them down to the range or shoot straight here in Orlando and hit a, a paper target. Okay, that just means they're familiar with that weapon. That does not make them are trained personnel. And then once you do train the personnel, you have to put them in scenarios when to fire their weapons. 
you just gave them the the mechanics to be able to fire a weapon. Now you have to get them to recognize target recognition and those things, and then make them proficient with the weapon, meaning that, hey, understand how many rounds in this weapon, understand what is the range of this weapon, and understand how how accurate this weapon is. That's a lot to give somebody from before, and they're trying to run a classroom. That 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 um, video you seen, I seen that before. It was a state trooper. He pulled those guys over, and it was it was real close. And the fact that, like you said, how nobody didn't hit nobody, and that's the thing. That's the thing with a weapon that people don't understand that you can easily miss somebody. And just as well as you can easily hit somebody. A lot of shots um, are taken when they hit somebody, well, especially with somebody who know what they doing. A lot of that stuff is by luck, just by pure chance. If you throw enough rounds down range, you're bound to hit something. So the thing about it is, is that nobody want to take the money to really figure out, do the research on what's it going to take to properly train somebody. I'm a soldier. I've been doing it for 23 years. I ain't fired a weapon about a year and a half, but I still can go out there and do it because I've done it for so long. So you mean to tell me somebody who ain't never fired a weapon going to get in a firefight, get in a situation that's going to do it better than me, and I've been doing it for 23 years, and going to have the mindset to do it? And not be scared. These things are repetition. One thing we learned in the military and law enforcement, you fight the way you train. Thank you. It's amazing. And um, let me just say to you, Cheryl, you know, we we think we Hello? have Anyone people. Hello? Anyone on? Yes. Can you hear me now? Can you hear I me do, now? I do hear you. I don't know why you don't hear us. Uh, Cheryl, are you there? I'm here. Are you there, Cheryl? Um, I'm here. It is amazing to me we have all these intelligent people who we elect to go to office, and then um, they come up with some of the ideas, and they're really committed to these ideas. It's not like they're just casually committed. They're very committed to these ideas, and so they're really good ideas. You know, you have teachers who go to school for four years to get their certificate, and you got them in the classroom, and you're asking them to spend all their days and nights uh, getting prepared for that class, educating these kids, and then out of a whim, you decide you want to add to that uh, carrying a weapon so that they can shoot at the very students they were supposed to teach. Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? Um, I'm totally um, against this idea, you know, for the various reasons that was mentioned before. Um, and I think I've said it before that I would not feel safe with my child in the classroom with a teacher with a weapon. Um, you know, all of the reasons that were mentioned could be having a bad day, Um the teacher is not even capable of using the weapon properly. That probably would be the last um, thing on my list. But just the fact of having access to a weapon and not knowing the mental state um, of the teacher and knowing that they're unskilled to use this. I mean, just like, you know, it was just mentioned, there's so many things that the teacher is responsible for. And the main thing is teaching our children today. And another another added thing would be them having the responsibility of having a weapon 
that with the proper training they would have to do, to me, a mental evaluation is too much. And again, like I said, I'm, you know, I believe that that's the reason why they should have security, armed security guards in the schools. And I think Nate mentioned, you know, um, previously before about having one entrance in and one out. That way they're more secured and knowing that nobody can come in, you know, and surprise anybody. So um, I just believe it's a bad idea. And um, no matter how much they go over it and justify and think what's the benefits of it, my opinion, it's a bad idea. Let me uh, change the subject a little bit. Dee, let me ask you, what what do you think about the two major chains uh, on their own deciding to uh, to only allow people over the age of 21 to purchase assault weapons and Dick uh, Sporting Goods has decided that they will no longer even sell uh, assault weapons and they are going to raise the age to 21. Uh, has, does it look like it's Everybody has decided enough is enough, and we're going to make some adjustments whether they work or not. So, so James, your question is, um, so you're telling me that somebody has agreed to do that? Um, I, I'm, I'm a little confused because from my last understanding that uh, the NRA is not, is not going to have any, any part of that. Well, I'm telling you, uh, yes, the last couple of days, uh, Dick Sporting Goods, who I was not, uh, familiar with, but that must be a chain um, sporting goods store across the nation has decided oh. that they will no longer sell assault weapons, and the weapons that they do have, they will only sell to people over the age of 21. And Walmart okay. well, has also came out and said the same thing, that they're not going to sell their weapons to anyone under the age of 21. And so I, I thought that was an amazing thing to have them come out mm-hmm. and uh, decide to do that uh, on their own. That's that's all fine and well. Um, you know, uh, private companies like Walmart and this uh, exporting good store, uh, they have the right to sell whatever they want. Um, the, the huge issue is that um, – the NRA is not backpedaling on the fact that they uh, they are not going to uh, uh, try to uh, convince gun owners and and anybody else to to uh, raise the age to twenty to twenty one. Uh, in fact, now here's here's another situation I don't know if you haven't heard. Uh, Atlanta-based Delta has said that they would no longer uh, offer discounts to members of the NRA because they won't backpedal on this issue. They would not offer discounts to members of the NRA. Well, a a Georgia senator jumped in and said that anybody that uh, disrespects conservatism will be dealt with. And he, he, he tagged the NRA has been a part of, of they've been part of uh, conservatism. So 
Uh, we, the NRA, again, is a bigger player in all of this than I think that, that we want to give credit for. Um, you know, but, uh, and, you know, and, and going back to the, the teachers having guns, you know, you know, if you're going to train the teacher, the teacher to use a gun, you also got to have train him not to have social anxiety. Because that's one of the issues, Jane, that you spoke about. Um, you know, and, and, and then they got this this law, the stand your ground law. And we all know how that works. All you have to do is pretend that your life is in danger and you can start shooting up the place. So uh, it's, all, it, it's not very well thought out. Thank you. You know, it is obvious that there seems to be a different attitude related to uh, how things are going this time. It seems to me that the NRA is on the run uh, because a lot of people on their own are making some decisions uh, to change the way they're they're thinking and their rules. Uh, And not only Delta, but there are a lot of other, I I think I saw at least uh, 10 or so, that are removed has asked the NRA to remove their emblem from uh, their website, and people are just getting, you know, like that term we use, and I know Audrey is using. People are getting sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, because people are suggesting, who are members of the NRA, that there are no real solutions uh, to the problem and that we shouldn't just do things half-cocked. Well, the rest of us are thinking it is better to do something to reduce the the number of people being murdered in our schools than to sit back and do uh, nothing. And and what these kids are saying, they no longer want to be the um, to be the ones who are being shot at and killed as we sit back and let the status quo be what it is. So, Andre, people are recognizing there's a need uh, to make some adjustments so that we don't continue down the same path where people are being viciously murdered by students who are having some mental issues. You're absolutely right, and tremendous Thursday to everyone. Um, as you were speaking, I was reflecting back as you talked on this t- uh, topic not too long ago, and it was someone that said that, uh, and I think it was Brother D, that, um, you know, the killings prior to now were elementary schools or middle age school, middle school, but these high schoolers are really being impacted, and they're taking actions. Uh, elementary school and middle age uh, students, they're not quite sure how to allow their voices to be heard, at least not in a way that the high schoolers are. And, um, you know, when that was said, I said, you know, that's a very valid point. And now that you see that the high schoolers are being organized as to what they will accept and what they will not accept. One thing that we've talked about on the show over and over again is political leaders uh, will change their response when it hits home, when it's someone that um, is in their family for whatever situation, the case or situation may be. 
Well, these high schoolers have been impacted. Uh, it was their friends. It was their uh, family members. It was their uh, neighbors. And um, I am just so proud of uh, the actions. And, and you're right. Some companies are going to just really stand firm because they're so used to having that revenue generated. Uh, and some of our uh, legislators are the same way. But, you know, if we are truly at a point in which we've had enough, and uh, we will require some action. And like I say, you, sometimes when you make changes, you don't knock it out the ballpark, but at least you run the bases. And uh, I would much rather run the base and look to get a score versus doing nothing, knowing that I'll never score. Yeah, and it only makes sense that you, uh, you know, there's, there, there is a law uh, in place that is keeping people from even studying how to reduce violence and murders in the United States. So it is sad that, you know, somehow or another, some group of individuals put something in place to keep people from even studying studying about. And we study almost anything. It is crazy. We, you know, we study uh, the, the amount of pollution created by uh, cows when they when they uh, defecate, and so we study almost anything. But now they have put a law in place uh, on the on the federal level to put to stop anybody from putting money towards studying the the uh, the the murder rate and the death rate and how to reduce it. So you know there are people who always. For a while, tried to keep uh, the NR the NRA has tried to keep the status quo because they like those gun sales. So, um, Regina, what what do you think of what we're seeing now as we look at all the progress that is being made on all the different levels? And your president brought in a, a number of people to discuss the changes that we need to make, and was trying to make himself look like a hero discussing uh, how he wasn't afraid of the NRA. And, Jane, that goes to me, Jane? Well, go ahead, D. Regina, I just didn't hear me. Go ahead, and we'll go back to Regina after you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you said my name. Um, uh, Quickly, uh, those are just talking points that uh, this president used as a springboard to appease those uh, that, that support him. Um, of course, he can't stay on task well enough and long enough to see any of this come to any kind of fullness. So, um, you know, um, he says that this week, uh, uh, next week, uh, he will forget what he said. And, and, and even as of this week, he said that last week, even as of this week, uh, he started to... Um, Numb down uh, the severity of his uh, of what he tried to say that uh, he was going to push back uh, and and raise the age to 21. Uh, apparently, uh, the NRA said, "What? Uh, don't forget about the money we pay you." And then he started to uh, numb down um, that that talking point. So uh, you know, when he says stuff, uh, just give it a week, give it a two weeks, and and by the third week, he will have uh, forgotten it totally. Thank you. Uh, Regina, what can uh, we expect 
from the people who are hearing what the students are saying. And uh, we're looking so forward. I know I'm still looking. I'm looking for a mass movement to be in D.C. on March 24th. I hope they check this on March 24th. I really do. And I need to find exactly how I can send my 20 or $30 to support what is going on uh, because I want them to shut that city down. What are your expectations or thoughts about what might happen on March 24th? Um, I have not been. Good evening. Hello. Welcome back, James. Um, <laughs> I have not been following what uh, the build the the build up for March 24th, but I do expect, and I, I think about a, our program often when I see um, see the news, and they're talking about the how the young people are building momentum. When I saw that Walmart had started, decided to stop not only selling a particular type of rifle, but also um, they've decided to not sell even guns that look like BB guns or, you know, those toy guns. I said, oh, my goodness, those young people did make a difference, and they are making a difference. So... With that being said, I expect there to be a huge crowd in Washington, D.C. Even our young people, I mean, our state government here, today they had a, a, a symposium or some sort of conference, and not only were they talking about the guns in school and allocating money for um for resource officers in every school, but also allocating millions of dollars to create positions for more mental health um, personnel in the school system, which is what I have been advocating for for at least eight to ten years since they took them out. Those young people are making a difference. And, yes, I'm with you, James. They're going to shut down Washington, D.C. Let me go uh, back to um, Cheryl. Cheryl, you know, we talked a lot on this show about humanity and teaching students uh, how valuable life is. This is a concept that could go along with this movement. I mean, people really need to understand that lives were uh, senselessly taken, teen lives were senselessly taken. And the same thing happened in Las Vegas, happened in Orlando, and happened around the country. And we have to um, turn this into a momentum about violence because we can't continue to allow 30,000 people to die every year from gun violence. It just doesn't make any sense that a civilized country would let this continue without 
fighting against it. You know, when you say um, we need to know the value um, of each other, of humans, and we do, and that really starts at home. Because, you know, when you look at school, you look in, you are thinking education. You're really not thinking life skills. And those things are really left up at home. And what they bring to school is a reflection of what their surroundings is. So we have to continue to teach life skills at home, you know, even at a very young age. And what that is, is that teaching how someone, how to treat others, things that we're taught at home, how to treat each other. But then we have so many dysfunctional households. That's what brings that to the school, to the workplace, and into, into society. So... The only thing that we can do is, you know, the thing that we talk about all the time is when it's not being taught at home, to be able to reach out to others, to individuals, to students who are not getting it. And, you know, that's the thing. The teachers already have uh, um, overload with what they're doing. And you're talking about bringing in guns. You're talking about being compassionate to the students and taking time out with them because they know the circumstances at home. They get familiar with the students, and they pick up on these things. So that becomes very a very, very heavy load. But I think that, you know, our greatest thing is love, and that's one thing that words and the meaning of it is really not taught. You know, we say love and we use it very loosely, but that's something that not only the younger people, but everybody need to know exactly what it means. And when you love somebody, regardless of they do and who they are, it is hard to to shoot another person or to bring harm to another person. So I think that's one of the main things that we have falling away from, you know, what our first lo- our first thing should be is love. And, and Cheryl, this is, uh, I want to go to Nate, and I want to take this to everybody. And I'm, I don't believe anybody on our show does this, but I am constantly around, when I go down to the museum, and the museum is in the heart of what we call the Paramore area in the black community. And uh, the stadium is, you know, across the street or down the street from City Hall, but it's closer to the black community than it is uh, to the white community because, you know, when they have to buy larger pieces of land, it's easier to buy it in the black community. So a lot of times our large stadiums, are in the black community uh, because the land is cheaper. But as I sit there and listen to the life of these people pass me by, tell you that they will say in a minute, nigga, I'll kill you. 
You know what I'm saying? It is so easy for African Americans and people to to go from unhappiness or anger straight to wanting to, to kill or destroy life and so it's so easily replaceable. And and until we get get back the love and joy that existed and and periods in the black community and get people to stop thinking about look you know, it's it's hard for me to understand how you can look at somebody the same color as yourself and think of death as a easy solution. And I know that, you know, we're talking violence uh, overall, but I think that's part of the issue, that Americans quick to anger, that they're willing uh, to shoot and kill each other before they anything else. I mean, you got to understand that we don't, uh, these guns are being purchased for a reason, and I don't think the majority of them are being purchased to shoot deer. Uh, Nate, I agree with you 100. percent And just like the, the last young lady had just said, we're not teaching no social skill. We're not teaching no things in the home. You know, like you said, we're so quick to get riled out and willing to take somebody out because that has become our standard. You know, it's easier in our society now to shoot somebody, hurt somebody, instead of backing down and willing to uh, talk it out. Nobody are pushing the issue, hey, let's talk about this. Let's let's settle this a different way. Um, let's go back even to back when I was growing up, we was growing up, um, you got in a fight, um, you got your behind whooped, you just got your behind whooped. Nine times out of ten, the person you were fighting, you just follows friends with them the next day at school anyways. And But we have, we have gotten away from that. Um, I, it, 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 it was so funny because I went to um, – uh, I think it was not sports authority, uh, sports academy. Here a few weeks ago, before the before the shooting happened, I was I, I was looking at looking at uh, um, over there looking at some uh, weapons. And as soon as I mentioned the word weapons, said we do not sell weapons, said we sell firearms. So I'm like, it's the terminology of things that's also a change because you know that we have an issue in our society with these weapons, and but changing the terminology is not going to change come or anything and and um like when i talk when i talk to people especially african-americans i don't care if they're younger than me or not i always say sir and ma'am mr and mrs i watch rosewood and i like the way the black people in that movie talk to each other they talk to each other with 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 with, with, with pride passion and courtesy and that's how we got we got to get back to it i understand at times we don't agree and that's fine but we got to start showing the world that we not we just, we, 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 we we're gunslingers because at the end of the day God did not create us to be gunslingers. We're, we're not gunslingers. Even though I'm a soldier, I don't want to ever ever have to pull a trigger again as long as I live. Pulling the trigger is so overrated. It is because once you pull that trigger, trust me, y'all. Trust me, I've seen it. You can't take it back. You can't take it back. And just like. They used to have these programs called like Scare Straight. I would love to create a program when it comes to firearms, like a Scare Straight program, and show people what these firearms really can do. That'll make people think twice about it. Cause you see them on TV, and TV is not showing the true violence of of a, of a, of a firefight. True violence of a gun is not 
showing guts being splattered, heads being blown out, eyeballs popping out of head. I seen those things, and I think it once America, and that's why when we were um, doing the war, they didn't want to show coffins coming home on the news because everybody would get out, uh, outraged and everything. It's time for America to be outraged. I don't want Washington just to shut down uh, during March 24th. I want Orlando to shut down. I don't just want the kids out there. I want people to walk off their jobs because that's the only thing this government responds to is money. You start hitting their money pockets, they'll start changing their tone. Thank you. And, you know, it's incredible you say that because I, I really believe they have one of those programs here in Orlando, or I've uh, seen um, – one of those programs uh, on television before where they take people into these trauma centers and some of the bad kids, they let them go into the trauma center and they mm-hmm. watch uh, how people come in there every evening, gunned down uh, and, and bullet wounds and, and that kind of thing. So I think you're right. That would be a good idea to have that kind of program nationwide where some of these game bangers could really get an opportunity to see the carnage uh, that they create, especially those ones who accidentally shoot little children. And uh, another yeah. thing is here in Orlando a couple of days ago, a man, uh, you know, we have to keep talking about domestic violence and the kind of craziness that exists in our young men because we got to try to change their mindset too. A young man walked into the workplace of his uh, ex-girlfriend and she was able to flee out the back door. But then he came out the front door and had a, uh, a shootout with police officers. And listen, it, it's just crazy that we cannot contain our emotion related to the anger that we get in because somebody thinks differently than we do. We got to recognize as humans we have the right uh, to, to leave somebody who we no longer love. Uh, we have the right to... Uh, terminate uh, relationships. We have the right to uh, terminate friendships. And so sometimes people, a part of the human nature, have to learn and understand that because you want something does not require other people to want the same thing. Uh, so, you know, uh, D, we, you know, we just are not training our young men to be ready and prepare themselves for things that are going to make them unhappy. You know, they're not, they, they seemingly believe that they can uh, take their will and impose it on other people. Well, James, you know, you're right, man. And uh, I said this the other day, and I'm going to be saying it until my day comes uh, on this earth. And what I said was, uh, Donald Trump is just the salt that's been pulled into the wounds of our anxieties or our woes that we already have. The, the problem that we already have as society, we didn't try to fix it. We, enough of us have, haven't, come to, have, haven't come together to try to fix it. Just like, as an example, just like the Democrats. They all help in on trying to get Donald Trump out of office, but they still haven't come up with a alternative plan. And so, uh, Donald Trump is just is a is a, a knee jerk reaction. 
him being in office, like like you said a moment ago, um, they buying all these guns for something, and, and the something is to protect themselves from what they feel that is the, is, is the greater threat, and 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 that's why they are all out for us in such a way. You know, they uh they come together on these back channels and on these back websites, and they talk about the things that they need to protect themselves against. And one thing that they think they need to protect themselves against is people that are not like them. And so, when you when you speak about our our culture, yeah, our culture is in pretty bad shape in itself. Uh, we have allowed the hip hop culture just to run rampant. And, you know, at one time, a few years ago, uh, the Bloods and the Crips had said they were going to get together and try to uh, institute some kind of truth about uh, the, the the differences that they, that they have and try to bring about some uh, some some, all, some inner peace, uh, some uh, overall peace in, in this game-banging thing. But it didn't last long. And so, um, you know... You know, if, if we can learn from this movement of young people that's trying to uh, uh, do something about this gun violence, if we can learn from them as a as a as a people, if if black people can learn from them and galvanize ourselves together to deal with our own social issues, then um, going forward, hopefully we can see some change in our in our own uh, in our own respect in the next. 15 to 20 years. Thank you, James. Uh, Regina, let me ask you, why can't, you know, when these the majority of these white high schoolers said enough is enough, why can't African Americans show each other enough love to come together and say enough is enough? Uh, just like Dee talked about the Crips and the Bloods and the MS-13s, why can't people of color recognize that they have a love for each other and they need to stop this foolishness and just live live life for yourself? You know, live life, go get your job, get you a family, love your family, care for your family, and get away from this need to, to go around killing people who look like you. I think there there's a stigma attached to a group of African Americans who come together, um, the Caucasian children who came together were youth who were speaking out because they were angry. African American children become gangs or thugs when they come together. And also, they do not, we as a people who are not trained, do not know how to express our anger. I had someone to, I had someone to tell me um, the other day when I was expressing something on Facebook that I was, that they could feel my frustration. And I had to correct them. Uh, because if you say a black woman is frustrated, you can also equate that to a angry black woman. 
And I had to say, no, I'm not frustrated. I am aware and I am expressing my concern. So the way um, the connotations are, are, are often different, it's not that they don't ex- come together. It's just that they're deemed hostile and broken up when they do come together. And we don't know how to how to um, stick together and dispel that myth. If we gather when people would call us negative names, and just stuck together and proved them wrong, then we could make some some gains. But but we let them divide and conquer, and that's why we cannot we we can't move forward. Well, you know, it is important that we recognize or see that. When somebody is doing something positively, we need to support them as much as possible. So, Cheryl, we need to support Lives Matter and help them change the direction of the movement so that not only do we get angry when police officers kill black people, but we need to get angry and mobilize when black people kill black people because it is equally as damaging. And so we need to recognize that we cannot accept black-on-black crime just like we can't accept blue-on-black crime. And so we have to be willing to change our direction and show that we care about every black child and every black person that finds themselves with a gun pointed at them or find themselves injured as a result of a gun being pointed at others. Absolutely. Um, We have a lot to be done. But, you know, just like we say all the time, a lot of things come from being angry. And we have young boys that grow, grow up angry because they're in a household without their fathers. Um, We have single parents that's not available to the children, so they find um, their needs in the streets. Um, And in the streets and being angry does not allow, without the proper help, a child to think on those lines and to grow up as an adult and think on those lines. You know, they're selfish. They're trying to get back to you before you get me. Um, If I can't have them, nobody else can. You know, those kind of um, terms that we hear. But, you know, even once it's all over with, we still don't try to talk to the person and find out what triggered them. You know, what's really going on? And from what I understand, and every time you look around, I'm hearing different things about this young boy who did this all of this um, killing. I mean, he was crying out in many ways, and people were reporting it. 
So that means that we're not on our job. We're not listening. And even when the actions are presenting themselves in a negative way, you know, we turn the head. We turn our head. We don't do anything about it. You know, and what can we do? You know, we mentioned some of the solutions as far as what we as individuals do already and can continue to do. But we have to go beyond that and begin to share it and look at the actions. You know, I can say a situation where you may have somebody that you know and the way they treat their child and you observe it. You go home and talk about it, but you never find out, you know, how can you help the individual because evidently something is going wrong with them to treat a child in the manner that they do. So we got all kind of things that's going on. I mean, you know, and on top of those unnecessary things, life hits you so hard and wear you down. And, you know, that's another thing that causes people to be angry. We don't have enough life coping skills. And, you know, all the instructions that we really need is right there in the world. So we don't even have a lot of people who's actually reading the word and understanding and being doers of the word. So, you know, we can do start with self within our household, within family members, and then those that surround us. But we got to keep on doing it. it. Everything that we do, it has to be a consistency. We can't do it for a little while and let it fall by the wayside. Because as we do, one day passed, the next day passed, and then before you know it, a whole year has passed. And something that has impacted a person has changed uh, altered their behavior in such a way that it becomes unrecognizable to us. So we have to be more aware of what's going on with individuals to help make a difference. And, Regina, we need to be as equally concerned and in love with our children as other people are with their children. We have to recognize the value of our lives to the point that we want to make changes and reduce the number of deaths related to people of color. And so we have to be concerned. You know, we talk about whether or not we should turn our in our people when they have mental illnesses so that they don't hurt people they love and they don't hurt themselves as well. We need to stop thinking that going to jail is some kind of passage, you know, rite of passage. And think about the lives that are being lost by the behaviors of our young people. Well, James, you know, there's a stigma with acknowledging that there are um, uh, behavioral issues. Um, and you also have to recognize whether the behavioral issues are actually mental illness or whether it's a situational, uh, behavioral situation brought on by um, stress or, or you know, 
sudden change in a person's life. So, you know, there are a lot of ways to to wreck um, things that you have to to find out before you can say, you know, what is really going on in a person's mind. But the process of finding it out has a stigma attached to it in the African-American community. So it's gotten to the point where we're just used to saying, oh, you know, he's just crazy. Uh, you know how his people was. Uh, you know who his daddy is. And instead of actually trying to change the behavior, we're used to accepting it, and we don't seek help. That's in the event that a person has, you know, a mental illness. And until we we do that, then we're going to always have these these types of situations. Until parents, single parents, stop using that as a crutch. Because I will tell you, I was a single parent for 22 years who had to do therapy with my child, who worked three and four jobs, who got off her job to take her daughter to therapy. When they took the mental health physicians out of the school, I told my supervisors, I've got a family issue that I have to handle. Now, of course, it's different when you're on an hourly job, but there are certain responsibilities that we have got to sacrifice for in order to make our our situations better. And we've got to stop using the white man or the man as a crutch or as an excuse for our behavior. There's enough out here to, to dispel that. We've got to stop that. And the more I say it, the more the angrier I get. Stop using them as an excuse. Do what you're supposed to do as a parent. Do what you're supposed to do as a human being. And let's make the, our lives better in our community. And we have to seek to change the perception of who our children are. There's too many people out there using uh, their children as a a way of earning money through uh, their inability to learn and having them spend years and years and years as unlearnable individuals so that they can keep a paycheck coming in. Uh, Dee, we talked about how there are parents out there who use their children and want to keep their children as un- unachievers so that they can uh, make money off the system. Well, James, uh, you know, uh, Ms. Audrey, uh, Ms. Regina, uh, uh, and Ms. Shira got it all right, man. See, they got it all right. And, um, and so uh, the stigma, see, let me try to explain the stigma to you as I see it. The stigma is that uh, we have generational differences in our race. Uh, it's almost like the us's and the them. 
And if you go on Facebook, now Facebook in itself, as damaging as it is sometimes, it's also a blessing. Because on Facebook, people will actually articulate where they are in life. And and some of the things that I see on Facebook are the generational differences and the cultural differences in our people. Uh, you know, they, uh, one of the stigmas is uh, that the people are the, uh, the culture that don't want to do anything. They call them the N-word. They call themselves the N-word. And they call themselves the real N-word. And the one that tries to correct them and try to show them a better way of life, they call us the fake N-words. And that and that's the culture that they have um, um, they have generated. Uh, the dudes that the want to do and and they don't want to do. <laughs> so and, and so this this is where I got an uh, issue with the church, the black clergy. So this is where I got an issue with them because this is where the real fight is. The real fight is within our own culture. Yes. So, uh, when we believe that God is in control of everything, and and as distasteful as it may be sometimes when he sees fit to do things. See, Donald Trump can be a gift from God because it's the result of, a, of enough of us not wanting to do nothing about our own issues. And so I call him, I call Donald Trump the great Satan. And the great, the great Satan is, this is what you get. This is, uh, this is what you're going to get if you don't start to do something about yourself. And so that, that's the prop that he is to me. He is, uh, he is the, 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 the signification of what you're going to get if you don't start to correct yourself. And, but still, in all of that, all the people that are paying attention to that is the people like us on the telephone. There still are not enough people in our own culture that not that don't realize, as Miss Regina puts it, that still aren't aware. Uh, they don't even want to make themselves self-aware of what the real issue is. They're still comfortable in being comfortable, and so um, that's our that's our plight. You know, when you talk about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, I love the name. But this but this inception was under violent pretense. The people that uh that brought that this movement into fruition, they did it after Ferguson. Okay. In that the concept and the name still should re- remain, but I like what you said, James. We have to help them to help themselves on uh, that name to where it can make the, the biggest difference. Like we had said one, I had said one day, and uh, Pat Smith had said that the NAACP, uh, the name is kind of So Black Lives Matter is a better name. But does Black Lives Matter, you got to put a question mark on that. Does it? Because if it does, you'll come out here and, and start making some groundwork. The blueprint. Let's reestablish the blueprint on what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, we're, we're just discussing uh, how we need to reevaluate how we determine the value of life. And that right now we see that white students 
have a different concept related to what they value about themselves and what they're going to demand. Uh, so we need to, to buy into that and change our lives as well as people of color to make sure our lives are valued in a different way. Um, I see a new number here, 3353. Give us your name and where you're calling from. My name is Avancel Roger Staggard, and I'm calling from New Orleans. What What is your perception of the plight of people of color and what we need to do to establish that our lives are just as important or just as valuable as any other lives, and we need to move to uh, to make a, a safer environment for those of us who recognize that too many of us are dying? Well, before we ask another race or culture to value our lives, we ourselves have to value our family, put them first, and have God in our lives um, to know that every life is valuable. But we have to before we ask other people to value our lives. And we need to go about changing that at the early levels. You know, like you say, it means that we need to go back to our Sunday schools and, and to our elementary yeah. schools and help our yeah. young people to know and believe in themselves about how important they are and how they can't put their right. futures at risk. Yes, yes. That's what we need. We need to teach the word of God so that we understand that we're all precious in the sight to from young to understand that. Families, we have so much conflict within families. Not feeling like they are apart or being accepted and um, they look to other things. And so right now, we have to get back to the, to our families and knowing and, and, and accepting them and that within our community, coming together in unity and valuing our own children, educating our own children, and not letting the media let them think that certain things are okay. I'm not I'm not for I'm not against anybody but I'm for what's right. I don't think it's right for my child to have to see um same sex kissing on television and all this other stuff that you're making them think that that's all right, that's not okay. So if we're not teaching our own children edu- um the other the, the entertainment world is telling them what's okay, what's acceptable. You know, and I don't think that's um acceptable for my, my family. And that's so important. Dee, I want to go back to you uh, because, uh, well, Dee looked like he's left us. But I want to share this with everybody, this thought I have. You know, we have this hip-hop culture that is just bent on making money but not understanding the power that they have to help change the behaviors of young people. And that they need to be talking about the power of young people to make life different for themselves versus all these thin field existences that they live under. That they're, you know, the thrill of them killing one another, the thrill of making a bunch of money so they can have a lot of women to take advantage of and and degrading 
the the women's culture. It seems like to me we need to be talking to these young people who putting all this filth out in the world about the power they have to change the direction of our society. I'm going to take a short break and come back and let everybody have their final say. So hang in there with me, and as we take this break, we're going to come back and give all of you an opportunity to say your final words. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to...
And it starts in the church. It starts with the village, always reminding our children that they do matter and that they have a purpose, and their purpose is to live out their God-given purpose. Those are my final words for tonight. All right. Our new uh, person, uh, please give me your name again so I can put it down so I'll try to remember it when you call in the next time so I can call you by name when, when I'm giving you an opportunity to speak. So what is your final thought for this evening? So my name is Levine Self. Um, my final thoughts are, as I said earlier, um, it starts with the family, and it also is a matter of the heart. It's with love. We have to get back to parenting our children with love and the grace of God and knowing that we have to bring them up and train them up in the Christian education as well as just bringing them up. And when we do that and we understand the importance of family and we understand our children' purpose and that they're a gift from God and that we have to give them back and how we have to raise them with the responsibility that God has given us the um, the charge of, then we understand our purpose and our job. But we have to give back to family. We have to give back to a relationship with God. So many people, so many families are missing the relationship with God. So we have to get back to that so that we can raise our children so that they can live out their purpose the way that Miss Regina just uh, expressed earlier. Those are my final thoughts. All right. Thank All right. Thank you so much. Um, Carol, your final thought for this evening? I mean, Regina and Lavonzel put that so um, eloquently and correct. You know, those are the basic things that we have to get back to. And, you know, when we have love, it can take us a long way. Um, and we do have to. We have to show that. And we have to live by the word. And we have to be doers of the word. And, you know, as I always say, whatever we do, we can always do better. I want to thank you all so much for your continued support. I want you to be here each and every day that you can be. So, again, remember, schedule is seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear. We want to give everybody the opportunity to share their thoughts so that we can create a direction that we need to go in so that our society, our village, is given as much support as all the other villages. Uh, we have to recognize that we can't allow ourselves to be quiet because there's too much at cost. Our children are dying in our streets, and we need to move forward, and we have to overthrow the people that would allow people like Donald Trump to come into office. I want to remind you, the number is 657-383-0309. We're here every day. Thank you so much, and I look forward to you all being a part of our regular audience and being a daily participant and trying to make sure that our voices are heard. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Thoughts, Love, and Reflection.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.